Please rise and body your spirit for the reading of Scripture. From John 8, verses 31 through 59. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, Yet you seek to kill me, because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, 
He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word that you have given us. May it dwell richly in our hearts, nourish us, and cause us to grow closer and to walk closer in your way as you teach us. Use your servant to explain clearly and teach well your word for our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning again. It's a uh, great section of Scripture before us, but it's not a completely easy section of Scripture. There's a, there's a lot going on here, and uh, certainly, along with Stuart, pray that the Lord would use this time to help uh, bring some clarity to it. I thought we'd start with your favorite character from literature. Uh, I don't know who it is. Maybe, uh, maybe you like Joe uh, from Little Women, a uh, fiery author. Um, maybe you like Elizabeth Bennett, Jane Austen's uh, character from Pride and Prejudice. Maybe you like little hairy guys from uh, Tolkien, uh, The Hobbit. Uh, I, I don't know who you like. Uh, or think about it from an author's perspective. We have a couple of authors uh, in our congregation, James Prey, Sandell Wall, both have written some really great books. Imagine that you are an author uh, and suddenly you are in your story. Uh, the, the world that you've created, the, the rules that you've made, sort of the arc of the story that you've laid out, and, and you start interacting with the characters that, that you've created. I mean, you, you made their personality, you made everything about them, and, and the character starts talking back to you and saying, well, no, that's not how it goes. And uh, I, I'm not really happy with the arc of this story. Uh, I don't want to see it turn out this way. And, and you're having this conversation, and, and suddenly you're like, wait a minute. I'm the author here. I'm the one that created you. I'm the one that made the world that you're living in. I am the one that laid out the arc of the story. I am going to determine what the ending of the book is going to be. That's because that's who I am. In a very real sense, this is what we see happening on, in, in this conversation that Jesus is, happen, uh, is having with uh, the Jews. And this is a, uh, a pickup from where Addison left us off last week with John chapter 8, Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, Jesus has taught that he is the light of the world. If you look at your scripture, you're, you'll see in verse 30, you have a transition. Uh, it says, as he was saying these things about being light of the world, many believed in him. So then verse 31, the first of our 
verses today. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed on him. So now there's a transition here in his discourse. He had been talking to the multitudes. Now he's talking more specifically to people who at least on the surface had believed on him. But notice where it it ends up in verse 59. In verse 59, it ends up that these people who at initially had believed on him, picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. And that's because they just are not connecting. Uh, it, it's like they're having two different conversations. I mean, they're, they're worried about Jesus's parentage, you know, who was his physical father. Uh, There's some insinuations in this passage that he doesn't have a proper lineage and all of these different things. Uh, Jesus is talking to them about a reality that is greater than, than uh, than they're able to see at that time. And it concludes, really, in verse 58 with Jesus making the kind of assertion that we started with. Before Abraham was, I am. And that's the connection, of course, to our series. This isn't an I am exactly like the other seven that we are looking at where Jesus says, I am the door, I am the light, I am the bread of of life, those types of things. But he is very much connecting to the Old Testament, Exodus 3, I am, uh, of existence, of being, of preeminence. And and that is what he is reminding us uh, as he reminds this Jewish audience here, that he is the source. Uh, and, And you got that in that Colossians 1 reading, right? He is the source above everything. We see it in in places like Hebrews 1 as well. All things were created through him and by him and for him. And that's what Jesus is calling us to remember as we are engaging in this passage. And so, I want to highlight a couple of things for you as we walk through it. Uh, And Jesus is saying these things, and and the people are not getting them, uh, but but we want to press our minds and hearts to these things that we might learn from the mouth of Jesus. The first thing that Jesus asserts is that he's the source of truth. And you see that in the opening verses of our section. So again, this is kind of the second discourse that Jesus is having during this feast of tabernacles, and as he has uh, laid out the idea that he is the light of the world, he, I think, logically says, okay, you've believed on me so far. Understand then that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, this is a pretty common uh, saying in 21st century America. Many of you have uh, heard this before, I'm sure. Uh, Sometimes in biblical context, oftentimes not in biblical context. If you go to uh, most major universities or many major universities, especially on the East Coast, some of the older ones, you know, they have this inscribed uh, somewhere in their uh, archways or doors or statues or uh, that kind of thing. That's because uh, 
when universities were started, they were connected to Christian ideals. Christians have always been strong proponents of, of learning God's Word through science, through the social sciences, through history, all of those different things. And, and there's been this connection with truth. Unfortunately, I think, as you recognize, uh, in our postmodern moment that we live in, uh, you know, Pilate's question, what is truth, uh, in John 21, uh, not John 21, John 19, uh, Pilate's question, what is truth, is much more in vogue. Uh, truth has, has become very nebulous. We, we talk about my truth. We talk about uh, your truth. We, we have a very, uh, you know, even some of our social constructs with regards to justice. Uh, we can't really know truth unless we have uh, experienced a certain thing. And, and so truth has just become very nebulous. But here Jesus says, and remember, this is, you know, he is saying, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the author of your story. I am the one who created the world that you live in. I am the one who has, has created the rules for the universe that you live in. He's saying, I am the truth. And if you abide in my word, you will, you will be truly my disciples uh, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, do we believe this? I, again, you know, I've said before, and I, I will say again, I'm sure, uh, this is, is one of the cutting points in our society today. I, I think more and more, certainly outside the church, but inside the church, uh, the extent to which we are willing to abide in the Word of God and allow it to inform us with regards to truth, falsehood, right, wrong, all of those things. If it is our source, if we are going back to it, that is going to be the determining factor of where churches go, certainly the determining factor of where the world is going, all of those different things. And, and Jesus is saying here, as the source, as the I am, the source of truth, the source of freedom, the source of life, all of these things comes back to the Word. And this is why we put such an emphasis on things like expository preaching, Bible study, all of these different things, because we understand that we have to go back to the Word in order to get our, our dose of reality, in order to get uh, the illumination that we need in order to live this life. And if we do not abide in his word, we're going to be going in different directions. I mean, we notice that even with these Jews here. They're, they could not hear the word of God. You, you see it in a number of places throughout the passage. You know, verse 43, it comes through very clearly. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. And if we cannot hear the word of God, it's going to send us in directions, directions that ultimately are going to put us in opposition with the cause of Christ as we see uh, toward the end of this chapter. 
So the word, the word is central. The word from beginning to end. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how important, you know, God's word is for understanding the shape of our lives. Going all the way back to the beginning. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, so much foundational there. We cannot understand ourselves apart from God's revelation of the creation, all of these different things. How do we understand work? If we don't put it in context of Genesis 1 and 2, how do we understand our sexuality? How do we understand gender? How do we understand uh, our relation to creation? How do we understand all of these things if, if we do not go back to the source and listen to the one who created it, listen to the one who has laid it into motion this is our source, uh, and, and this is our call. Now, I understand that, you know, it, it needs to be worked out. It, it's, it's not always easy. It's not always clear. There are lots of competing voices. It's why we need to be in community together. It's why we need to be in Bible studies together, wrestle with these things. It's why we send people to seminaries to understand, uh, you know, God's Word uh, at, uh, at, an, at an academic level, really work at it. It's so important uh, because you see, the heart is just so easily deluded. And, and you see that with these, uh, with these Jews. Like, uh, at the surface, they're believing, right? But they have this uneasy relationship with the word that Jesus is speaking to them. And, and so much so that they become just so deluded. You know, Jesus is saying, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And, and what's their response to that? Well, what are you talking about? I mean, we, we don't need to be free. We're, 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 we've never been enslaved to anyone. Now, did that strike you as odd, the, the Jews saying this? I mean, they have literally been enslaved to everybody in their region, They've been enslaved to Egypt, they've been enslaved to Assyria, they've been enslaved to Babylon, they are currently under Roman occupation. I mean, they have been enslaved to everyone. But the heart is so, so self-sufficient and so prone to uh, self-delusion that, that we think that we don't need the word but part of this is because Jesus is, is pushing us in a level that we don't want to go. Uh, he's talking about freedom, freedom that comes from being uh, practicing sin. This is the, the discourse in 34 to 38. You know, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Very similar to what we see in Romans chapter 6. Uh, and, and Jesus is pushing it down to the heart level. And he's saying, if you want to be free, if you want to be free at the heart level, you have to listen to the Word of God. The Word of God will lead you into the places where we want to go. So that's the first thing that this passage really challenges us to think about. And it is a challenge. Again, as I say, uh, our current day, our current age, uh, is, is very prone to not seeing God's Word as the source of truth. And, and so we, we need to be committed to that. 
and, and we need to recognize that, that like these folks, it's easy to be drawn away with. Sometimes it's very subtle. I mean, it can, it can be a frog in the kettle uh, type moment where we, we continue. That's why I think we have to be careful with the things that we read, uh, where we're spending time. I mean, we don't want to be legalistic about, you know, how much time are you spending reading God's Word versus how much time are you spending reading the news or, or even good books. I, I, we would never want to be legalistic about those things. But I think we have to be aware that like these Jews, uh, we are, are prone to sort of a self-sufficiency. We're prone, and this is really the second thing that I want you to see, we're prone to putting our, our foundation in something else. So rather than hearing what Jesus was saying to them, they were so self-confident of their lineage. They're like, well, we're Abraham's children. You know, we, why are you telling us about slavery? Why are you telling us about freedom? Why are you talking to us about this? We're Abraham's children, and that is our lineage. You see that in verses 50, verse 54. Uh, the, the Jews say, oh, no, I'm sorry, not 50 and 54. Uh, what verses were there? A couple of times through there. Verses 38, Abraham is our father. Uh, Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing what Abraham did. Uh, and then they repeat that over and over. You know, Abraham is our father. And that was their confidence. And for the, the Jewish nation, uh, so much of their confidence came in their ethnicity. Uh, it came in their religious system that they were given. And so that was the marker of their salvation. That was the marker of their hope. Uh, if you were going to ask them, you know, what's your confidence for life? You know, what's your confidence for life after life? Uh, they would say, we're Abraham's children, just exactly like they said here. It, it's, it's where we were born, and it's the, how we practice our religion. Now, I think one of the things that we have to recognize here that Jesus invites us to recognize is that there really is only one hope for life after death, you know, for that continuing life, and that is to hear his words, to abide in his words. That's where we get freedom. That's where we see in the passage Jesus says, uh, you will never die. It's our connection to him and his words, not these other things that are our markers. Now, you may say, we're, we're not really like that. But are we like that? I mean, uh, I, I know, you know in this community we uh, have a, uh, a sense of God's covenant workings in the family. And I have certainly seen in, in what I would say good theological families uh, maybe an over-reliance on the fact that uh, our children were born into a covenant family. And, and there's not a, a type of pursuing to discipleship maybe that we should have. Uh, we're, of course we're prone to this sort of thing. Uh, if we go to church, we check the box. You know, my family is a fourth generation Presbyterian family. We have been at that pew for the last 80 years. Of course we're in. And, and there is a sense in which Jesus is saying no. 
That, that's not how the relationship to me works. It's not how the relationship to my father works. And, and even if it's not sort of ethnically or sort of the, you know, the generational type thing, there's so many other places where we, we look for the markers that are going to identify us as, as belonging to God. And, and we can, I mean, we are amazing and maybe I just speak for myself, uh, we are amazing at, at finding ways to justify ourselves and to prove our rightness. I mean, I can use anything. I, I can use busyness. You know, like if I'm, if I'm just busy, this is a sign that I'm doing the Lord's work, right? Uh, I, I can use quietness. If I'm quiet and I oppose busyness, well, this is a sign that I'm really abiding in the Lord. I can use, uh, you know, my sort of parenting or I can use my vocation. I can use all sorts of things and I trust so can you. Uh, but, but what Jesus is challenging us here is to say it's, it's not these external markers it's not these external markers that determine whether you are, uh, belong to the Father or not. It's something deeper than that. It's something greater than that. One writer says, if we're really to enter fully into the glorious liberty of the children of God, we're, we're going to have to spend more time thinking about freedom and what really makes for freedom than we're prone to thinking about. And what I love about this passage is that I think Jesus sets us on the right path. And, and, and here's the thing about following the Savior. He never asks us to do anything uh, or to be any way that he hasn't first set the pattern for us to do or to be. Uh, and, and we really see that here in this passage because the third thing that we see is that Jesus as the source is showing us the way to true glory. Here we get to verses 50 and 54. See, I was so excited to get there. Uh, I do not seek my own glory, but there is one who seeks it. And he is the judge. And then in verse 54, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It's my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. You see, Jesus here is showing us the path to freedom, the path to, as he says, glory as he expounds on it. He comes back to these same themes in John chapter 17, which is his high priestly prayer, uh, verses 20, um, 24, uh, 20, 22, 24, the glory that you have given me, I give to them that they may be one even as we are. Uh, Father, I desire that those who you have given to me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So Jesus is laying out the path to freedom, the path to glory. And, and it's the path that he trod. You look at verse 28 of, of chapter 8. Jesus said to this crowd, he said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. 
verse 28, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Two things I want to highlight for you. One, when Jesus talks about freedom, when Jesus talks about glory, when Jesus talks about uh, the, the marker uh, that is in our life, it, it's, it's the path of death leading to life. Jesus says, when, when I'm lifted up, then you'll know that I am. You know, that is the mark. It's not that I am going to become the world ruler. It's not that uh, I am going to stop all the social injustice of the world in the here and now. It's that I am going to give my life to die. I am going to go to a cross. I am going to, you know, and put it in Paul's terms, I am going to become sin so that this people that I love can know the righteousness of Christ. They can become righteousness. You and I can become the righteousness of Christ. And this is what Jesus is saying is his glory. So interesting here and grateful for the group that I study with. One of the people in verse 59 uh, pointed out they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. You know, the, the glory is so often associated with the temple. Uh, and Jesus hiding himself. You, you see that in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, like the, the glory of the Lord departed, right? Departed from the temple. Jesus is the glory, but he is transcending everything that, uh, you know, he is, he is becoming, he's transcending what the Old Testament pointed to because he is the fulfillment of it. And so it's not that the glory is departing from the temple forever, but it's filling the entirety of the world in such a, a magnanimous way, but it's tied up with his willingness to go to the cross. And that is what Jesus is calling from us. He, he's calling for us to come and die. I mean, that is the path forward. If you want to be truly free, if you want to have the life that transcends the life that we experience in the material world here and now, the path is the same one that Jesus trod. It's, it's the path of dying to self and, and, and living to him. It's the path of abiding in his word. It's the path of not finding our identity in anything except for him. The last thing that I really want you to notice about this is the relationship of Jesus with his father. This is all throughout here. And, and Jesus is highlighting, he said, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing what Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing what your father did. And he's now talking about the father, the devil, right? The father, the devil, who is the father of lies. That's part of his character. You're not listening to truth. But he is saying, I honor the father. 
verse 49. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. He is the judge. That is the Father. Going back to verses 28 and 29. Uh, I do nothing of my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. John 17, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The Father and his relationship to the Father is the key to who Jesus is and what he came to do. And as we abide in his word, we realize this. This is not religion, people. This is not following a set of, uh, of exterior laws. This is about being in relationship to the Father. When he uses that, that phrase, abide in my word, it's such an intimate word. Abide. Let the word of Christ, Paul says, dwell in you richly. There's, there's such an intimacy and personality there. And that is what we are being invited into. Friends, I know that when you truly follow God's word, and I feel it, I feel it politically, I feel, it, I feel like I walk around with like this big weird thing growing out of my head because I just don't feel where I fit in this world. And we're going to feel that when we abide in God's word. But I can do it because I am loved by the Father with the same love that he gives to his son. And he says, will you come abide? Abide in the word. Abide in me. Abide in the Father. That is our source of strength. And that is how we go on. Came across a story, Grace Lewenberger. Quite a name. She's a runner, and she was running a marathon, and uh, this was her first marathon. She describes it. She's a writer, so she describes it very eloquently, and uh, it just connected with me for some reason, and maybe it will connect with you. She pictures herself finishing the marathon, strong strides, swinging arms, tired yet powerful legs propelling myself forward. This is how I imagined myself finishing my first marathon. Imagining how uh, my marathon would go was a strategy that I would use in races, often repeating phrases like, I am strong when experiencing pain. Coupled together, these strategies are meant to help runners cope with the mentally grueling aspect of racing. But as most marathoners can attest, the race didn't go exactly like I had hoped. I hit the wall. Cramps crept up at mile 18 and caused my fantastic finish to be more of a horrific hobble. My marathon ended with me crying in the arms of a finish line volunteer. As she put a gold medal around my neck, I kissed it and then I vomited. 
I love that because I think in so many ways it's a description of our life. You know, we, we picture ourselves strong. We're Abraham's children. We've got this, that, all these other things. But the reality is something less than that. It's something different than that. And what she goes on to say is she said, over the years as I've dealt with my own Christian life, which has been something less than I have imagined it to be, God has shown himself to be a lot like that finish line volunteer I encountered at the end of my first marathon. Whether we have a fantastic finish or a horrific hobble, God stands at the end of the race with his arms wide open, ready to welcome us, tears, vomit, and all. He does not require us to run with award-winning strength. In fact, if that is what you are depending on, if that is what you are hoping on, you're looking in the wrong place. Abide in me. Abide in my word. And then you will know truth. And the truth will set you free. This is the Father. This is the Son. This is the Holy Spirit who is speaking to each of us today, inviting us to that abiding. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We recognize that so often we're like the Jews. You're, you're talking on one level and we're like, don't you see what we have going on here? And uh, can't you understand uh, what, what we have going for us? But you, say, you remind us that we oftentimes look for love in all the wrong places. Uh, you remind us that it is only as we are willing to submit to you, to abide in you. It is only as we follow the path to glory that you have sent to, set for us, a path that invites us to come and die, that we will truly find life. Father, we thank you that you are not the demanding taskmaster who is looking at us in terms of the strength that we provide, but rather you accept us as we are. Uh, when we truly come and submit ourselves to you. Father, may, may we be challenged today. I mean, this, this first group that heard this teaching, they, they had initially believed. There, there was something in their hearts that was, that was drawn to you, but when they heard your word, they, they couldn't bear it. And the end of the story had them picking up stones and throwing them. Father, we pray that, that you would help us uh, to be a people that truly surrenders to who you are. Lord, we thank you for uh, the fact that your glory does fill this world. Uh, it, it may not be found in uh, Old Testament Judaism anymore, in the temple, all that pointing to you, but it's, it's now this, this glory that fills the world. And, and this is what we pray for. This is 
one of the things that, that drives us as a church, one of the reasons we come together is so that we can be engaged in your mission throughout the world. And so we pray that you would help us as we uh, come into this time over the next month where we uh, dedicate ourselves to prayer, where we commit ourselves to uh, mission uh, that is taking place outside of Grand Rapids and throughout the world. Father, we pray for those who are engaged in these activities. We ask that you would bless them. We know that they too are facing uh, cultural challenges in their own place. Uh, and we ask that you would be with them. We pray that the word of Christ may dwell in them richly. The word which is the power uh, for who we are. Father, we ask that uh, you would continue to help us steward the gifts that you give us, whether they are gifts of personality, gifts of uh, ways to serve or bless the people around us, financial gifts that you give us. May we be good stewards of all of these things. May we use them to your glory, and may they resound to your glory. Father, we continue to pray for our world, for our political leaders, uh, as we navigate this pandemic, the, the cultural tensions that we are in. Father, we, uh, we, we have to admit, we have to see clearly that our hope is not in any of these folks. Uh, our, our hope is only in you. Yet we know that, that you are, are orchestrating your world, that you have put people in place for your purposes, purposes sometimes, oftentimes, that are beyond our understanding. So, Lord, we, we pray uh, for a president, vice president. We pray for others that you, who holds the heart of kings in your hand, would be merciful to them and that they would see the great mercy that you offer to us in your word. Father, we pray that you would send us out now as we get ready to go with your strength, with your word. May we have that great sense that as we abide in you, you abide with us and we do not go alone. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.